It's a great day for a podcast. Once again, here he is, John Oakley. Hamas and all of the horrors inflicted on those innocents over the weekend uh, will now see wide uh, distribution or dissemination. And it's even being cited that uh, this is their MO. They've learned from ISIS, you know, uh, public executions. And these are streamed. I mean, they've telegraphed that this is something that they're planning to do uh, as, I don't know, maybe a deterrent against Israeli incursions into Gaza or taking out targets they deem to be civilian. Nonetheless, uh, it's horrific, horrific stuff. And the specter of that has also uh, been impressed upon, you know, the administrators at schools in Israel as well as in the United States and imploring the students as well as their parents to just delete certain social apps like TikTok. However, one who is versed in all of these matters is Dr. Nancy Zars, a forensic psychologist as well as founder and CEO of Zars Psychological Services. Just to give you background, she consulted and trained a variety of law enforcement, including those in the FBI and the U.S. Army Military Police. As a psychology prof at the Chicago School, she developed a course on Israel, focusing on terrorism, trauma, and resilience. And uh, those can never be uh, more so necessary than they are today. Let's get Dr. Zarsin here on The Oakley Show. You know, the kids that are going to see uh, some of these inevitable images and the horror coming from Hamas, uh, how do you prepare them for something like that? Well, I, I think it's really important that you do it at an age-appropriate level. As, as is the case with any like mass casualty violence or terrorism events, my course was at a university, and it was actually for graduate students. So that's radically different than some of these elementary or junior high or high school children who are seeing things that that they either don't know how to process or they're going to need some kind of help to process. So it's not enough for parents to sit down and say, uh, look, this is the stark reality. Uh, If you come across this, here's what's going on. Uh, Would that be adequate? Well, depending upon the age, I think there are certain ages for which we wouldn't want them to see most of this. If they do see something, then yes, the parent needs to sit down and and talk with them and kind of help put that in context. In Israel, because of the nature of the terrorism there, children at very young ages are taught strategies for survival and strategies for resilience. It's both impressive and heartbreaking. Tell us about that, the strategies for survival and resilience. So, for instance, my group, my class, as you mentioned, focuses on terrorism, trauma and resilience, or it did, and in the context of Israel. So we would have a 14-week course on ground that then culminates in a 10-day study abroad trip. And on that trip, we spent a full day, like about nine hours in the town of Sterot, which you're hearing quite a bit of on the news because it's a town that's situated very close to Gaza. It has one of the highest rates of terrorist attacks in the world, and as such, has an extremely high rate of post-traumatic stress disorder. Although there, they don't think that it's post-traumatic stress disorder. They think it's simply traumatic stress disorder because it's not post. It's ongoing. So there, the you, we've been hearing in the news about the Iron Dome. So when the Iron Dome detects a missile coming from Gaza, it emits a siren that tells the Israelis to run for bomb shelters. In Sterot, you have all of 15 seconds from the time that siren sounds until the missile hits. In Tel Aviv, you might have 
a minute in Jerusalem, you might have 45 seconds. But think about this. We have schools in Starot who might be out on the playground and they hear the siren and they have to run for cover. And obviously you can imagine they're scared because it's scary. The schools take direct hits. And so they've created a song that they sing called like Red Siren, where the the children kind of sing along to it's coming, it's scary, 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 boom, boom, boom. And, but we're gonna be safe. And they even do some physical activity in the middle of this song to get the jitters out, if you will. So here we've got little, you know, seven, eight year old children singing a song in response to terrorist attacks because that's how common they were even before this week. Wow, uh, that's kind of disconcerting to hear that. As you say, it's scary and yet at the same time. But you know what happened, the horrors this weekend, obviously eclipse all of that. The Iron Dome was uh, proven not to be infallible. I'm just curious, uh, what impact will this have broadly on mental health in Israel? As well as other, elsewhere, I mean, uh, everybody that, you know, has a heart beating in their chest has been impacted to a certain extent uh, with this. But how will it impact uh, mental health, you feel? It, it's tough. I mean, it's it's bringing back previous terrorist attacks. But what's happening now is just atrocious. You know, mothers and families being dragged from their homes and shot in the streets in front of neighbors. Other people, you know, Holocaust survivors being dragged into Gaza. You know, now we're hearing the babies and the toddlers being beheaded. It's, it's it, one of my Israeli contacts told me just today, she doesn't know a single person in Israel that's not personally affected in some way. Either their house was hit or they know somebody whose house was hit or they know. I mean, it's it, you know, it's not a huge country and it's not a huge geographical location. And so it is so up close. It is so intensely personal for the vast majority of Israelis. It'll have a huge effect on 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 mental health. I don't know that that they can really be dealing with that yet because you know, they're still in the throngs of responding to the terrorist attack and and figuring out what their next response is going to be. But I have heard one of my one of the hospitals that I work with in in Jerusalem, Shadi Zedek, has already said that they're opening up additional mental health spaces and bringing in additional psychologists and and counselors and therapists to deal with the psychological effects of this. Again, with Dr. Nancy Zars, forensic psychologist founder and CEO of the Czar Psychological Services, uh, amongst her many uh, specific areas of expertise, it cited that uh, the psychology of terrorism, but also hostage negotiation. I mean, this is where, you know, we're, we're hoping for the best and praying for the best, anywhere from 100 to 150 hostages being held. Uh, how does, on that scale, uh, one go about, is there negotiation even possible at this point? In general, I'm a pretty optimistic person. I would like to say it's always possible. The problem is that, you know, part of what you weigh, you know, the 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 on-scene commander. So you've got hostage negotiation and tactical working hand in hand. They're part of a crisis response team. And so the hostage negotiators, you know, the, the America has already sent over the the FBI's hostage rescue team. Israel has its own really fine hostage negotiation team. So I'm sure they're working together and, and, and they're going to try to initiate contact with Hamas and negotiate a peaceful surrender. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some neutral third parties 
who are also trying to broker some kind of a deal here. The problem is part of what that on-scene commander is going to be assessing is, are there measurable signs of progress in the negotiations? And what is the level of risk of imminent harm to the hostages? If there's not measurable progress or if there's no engagement whatsoever, and if the risk of violence is deemed to be very high, then that kind of tilts the scales, if you will, towards a tactical response. Well, this is part of the problem. Uh, it's been cited in the past. Anytime hostages are taken, and certainly Hamas or any terrorist operation knows this, that uh, it becomes somewhat disproportionate because you're playing on the emotions and sensibilities of conscientious people. And uh, they are nihilists and it's evil incarnate. <laughs> so in that case, uh, I just wonder that what is it that they have uh, that or at least that could be bargained here? Uh, it doesn't seem to me like, uh, you know, this is even something that makes makes sense that it's feasible to do because uh, they're not in the business of trying to gain anything here, are they? You are absolutely correct. And we're up against, you know, Hamas is a terrorist organization and their stated goal is the utter destruction of Israel. So it would have to be that somebody can bring pressure to bear on Hamas that that motivates them to see value in safely releasing hostages. So what's, you know, kind of a, a sign of cautious optimism, if you will, Israel places an extraordinary value on human life. So they're going to do everything they can. They're going to expend considerable effort and energies to get these hostages out safely. Unfortunately, the significant causes of concern, some of which you just listed, this this I cannot overemphasize the import of this breaking news about beheading babies and toddlers. That that has just chilled the entire country of Israel. You've got the murder and hostage taking of Holocaust survivors. So here we have people that live through concentration camps and survive the Nazis only to be taken hostage now at this point in their life. The, you know, the, as you can imagine, Holocaust survivors are, are sacred in Israel. You've got the single highest murder rate of Jews and Israelis since the Holocaust. You've got a complete, as you mentioned, lack of humanity in Hamas and then their stated goal. So all of those are cause for significant concern. I think the best outcome is a negotiated release. The more likely outcome is hopefully that they get some really, really good solid intelligence and they assess the veracity of that and they're able to plan and execute a rescue attempt. We can only hope, I mean, given the collective trauma, I'm not sure a measured response in consideration of hostages uh, is even something that's countenanced at this point. It looks like people want, you know, kind of a scorched earth, just go in there. And uh, it's almost like uh, there's a, a sense of inevitability that the hostages are are lost now uh, to this battle. But uh, we'll wait and see. And as you say, uh, either keep our fingers crossed or uh, hopefully in our prayers. Dr. Nancy Zars, I really appreciate you giving us the uh, inside information as to how this all plays out. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, sir. Dr. Nancy Zars, forensic psychologist, and uh, she's at the Chicago School, developed a course on Israel, focusing on terrorism, trauma, and resilience. 
Listen to The John Oakley Show live each weekday afternoon from 3 until 6. If you live in the Toronto area, just turn that AM dial to 640 and listen anywhere on Earth 24 hours a day by going to 640toronto.com. Follow on Twitter at AM640Oakley. You've been listening to A Curious Cast. New podcasts and shows are debuting all the time. So check back often to see what's new in the Curious Cast Library.